Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. I'm Christina Odone. This will be the first general election in British history in which none of the party leaders is a publicly committed Christian. It's only a footnote, perhaps, in the history of the decline of organised religion in this country, but worth noting all the same. No, I'm not talking about this general election. That was an article I wrote in The Spectator 25 years ago when the leaders were Major Kinnock and Ashdown, none of whom was a regular churchgoer. In 2017, by contrast, both the Conservative Prime Minister and the Liberal Democrat leader are weekly worshippers. Theresa May is an old-fashioned high church Anglican, the daughter of a vicar whose husband is a server in their Maidenhead parish. Tim Farron is a born-again Christian, but does their private faith really distinguish them from Jeremy Corbyn, a classical left non-believer? Mrs May never talks about her Christianity. Mr Farron does. He talks about Jesus, but as soon as he was challenged about his opposition to gay marriage and abortion, he fell in line with the secular consensus. Our guest today is Nick Cohen who's observed the moral posturing of British politicians in many election campaigns. Nick, since that 1990 election, church-going has fallen by about a third in Britain. Religion and politics intersect in only one place, fear of radical Islam. That's true. So apart from that, has religion become truly irrelevant to political discourse in Britain? Well, we're a post-Christian society. We're post-lots of things society, but we are a post-Christian society. So when Theresa May, where people will use it as a line of criticism of Theresa May, that she highlights the fact she's a vicar's daughter, but then, very callously in my view, stops child refugees from Calais coming to Britain. That is, you know, people still find that, certainly on the left, find, find that an interesting contrast and a shocking contrast. So that matters. What, is, what has gone or is going is the notion of a religious vote. I mean, even 20 years ago, you could talk of a Catholic vote in Scotland. So. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Can you still do that now? Uh, the SNP was originally a Protestant party, but it obviously has quite a lot of Catholic support now. You know, that is, that is, that is going. Labour, when it dominated Scotland, was more of a Catholic party. But at the peak of its dominance, it was non-denominational. There is, because of Corbyn and because of the um, rise of anti-Semitism on the left, there is... A poll, it was a poll showing overwhelmingly Jews wouldn't vote Labour. But that is, that is because of Corbyn and the far left. In London, when Sadiq Khan runs as a Labour candidate and was a sensible, you know, intelligent, attractive candidate, Jews voted for him as a, on the same reasons as, as anyone else. It's quite hard to talk about a religious vote. Just as 30 years ago, when the Tories passed some disgusting legislation in, against homosexuals to appease the tabloids, you could talk about a gay vote. And even gays who are really very conservative in lots of ways were thinking, but I simply don't see, outside Northern Ireland, of course, I don't see religious votes anymore. But that's because also I don't see politicians who actually stand for any religious principles anymore. I mean, I know that Theresa May uh, has been fulsome in her praise of our Christian heritage, but actually her incredibly socially liberal tenets and her anti-migration policy 
show that Christianity is not at the core uh, of her agenda. And similarly, Tim Farron was incredibly quick to drop his so-called Christian principles. So where is religion in politicians? Theresa May appeals to, or she did at the start of this campaign, she's falling apart now, she appeals to a very English and rather Anglican myth about England that we are a commonsensical people, pragmatic, we don't go in for wild theories, just as the Anglican Church doesn't go in for wild religious extremism, you know, there's no such thing as mayism, I just believe in common sense. That is the English myth about themselves. It is very much, and that is rooted in a view of Anglicanism. But as I say, that's post-Christian, or post-Anglican even, it's not... It's not, it is it's not a, it is an Anglican politics. It is unchristian to bar immigrants from coming here. I mean, what we see with Angela Merkel is the real pastor's daughter opening the doors of Germany, saying, I am, you know, my brother's keeper. I am the Good Samaritan. So that was somebody... Whether, well, whether then, you agree... I'm backtracking rather okay, quickly. Know, whether then. you agree with her policy or not, it was rooted in her Christian upbringing and in her Christian faith. And with May, I see nothing, no policy that reflects the deep Christian faith that I do think she has and which I, I also believe Nick Timothy... Well, I, th- I think it's possible to, to draw rather simplistic conclusions about how Christian faith might be articulated in terms of immigration policy. But what's interesting is that Theresa May does not attempt to publicly reconcile her Christian faith, which is strong enough for her to go to church absolutely every Sunday, which is actually unusual for a prime minister and has been for a very long time. She doesn't attempt to reconcile her private faith with public policy or even acknowledge that the one might inform the other. Why is she so reluctant to do so? Is it part of a traditional British reluctance to talk about the embarrassing subject of religion? Or is it perhaps that she hasn't thought these things through in her own mind? To be fair to Theresa May, and someone has got to be fair to Conservative (laughs) Prime Minister at The Spectator, I'd just say this. I'm not very impressed with her. I mean, I think the course she says on of Europe is, is a betrayal of the national interest and so on and so on. When she was at the Home Office... She did things like pass a modern anti-slavery act. She clamped down on police stopping and searching black youths. These were policies that would gain her no support in the Conservative Party or the country. They were the absolute opposite of focus-driven, poll-driven, but Blairite policy. But she did them. Mm, but now, whether, whether that case was... Was there any problems with the media, though? They were, were media-friendly policies. Oh, well, I, I would say with the right-wing press, there's been a lot of complaints about limits on police stopping and searching. If you read the right-wing press, they say, well, knife crime in London has gone up as a result of it. I'm just saying, in fairness to her, she will do some things that are not, which seem to be acts of conscience. Like a lot of good politicians, she thinks, I'm in power, I'm going, I'm going to use it. So, you know, just for a bit of balance. But I might just wonder, listening to Christina... It's just not possible to be a determinedly religious politician putting a religious agenda into place. I'm fascinated by what's happened to Tim Farron. I am absolutely fascinated, fascinated as well. by it. Yes. Because I have some sympathy with him because I spent my childhood, a lot of off my childhood, holidaying in Cumbria. And it, Cumbria then was just filled with nonconformist chapels. Absolutely filled. There'll be two houses in the chapel. This is where the great nonconformist evangelist revivals that swept Britain in the 18th and 19th century, happened. 
Now, Farron was, was born up and brought up into a decent Guardian reading family. He revolts and becomes an evangelical Christian. Okay, he believes the Bible's literal truth. But in his actual policy towards gay and lesbian equality, he's not doing anything. He's being a true liberal. He's saying, my inner beliefs may be one thing, but in terms of my public persona, I will treat all people equally. It's just the paraphrase of Voltaire. I may disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to my, my deaf ear right say it. And yet he still he hammered allowed, for yes, it. Yes. And yet he still yes. hammered for it. Yes. But, and, but, but that, is, that is true liberalism. True liberalism is saying, I actually profoundly disagree with this. But, you know, I believe that individuals have rights and I have no right to interfere with you. I think another way of looking at it is that he represents the secularisation of the evangelical tradition, which is something you notice in America as well as here, mm. which is that churches that used to be very, very ferociously opposed to gay rights and equally ferociously opposed to abortion can finesse their views or even abandon them while... Um, Donald Trump nobody, is running. Nobody really notices <laughs> no, no, seriously, anymore. Seriously, they, 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 there, are, ah. they, they, there are interesting American evangelical scholars who say Donald Trump represents the final degeneration of Protestant evangelism in America because he's been divorced. Well, evangelicals now forget about divorce because it's something men do, straight men do. They only talk about homosexuality and abortion because those are two things that won't happen to straight men. But from the old evangelicals' perspective, which, remember, included Jimmy Carter, Trump should have been just, no, no way can we have this man. Pariah. But because he's on the right, they embrace him. But I think that that, what was so interesting was that Tim Farron was not allowed to hold conscientious objection when it came to the gay marriage issue or to the abortion issue. So what he came up against... Actually, you said not allowed. He chose not to stick to his guns. Yes, no, 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 but what I'm saying is he came under such pressure from the media on that issue that he rolled over. And what we're saying is it is no longer possible to be open about your socially... This is where we disagree. We've had the, we have this argument almost, you know, every know. week. You know, I, I sometimes think that militant secularism is a sort of bogeyman for Christians who choose not to stick for one reason or another, good or bad, to the, the traditional tenets of their faith. And I think it's a real force and a really sinister expression of illiberal thinking in Britain. I think that if Tim Farron believes that gay marriage is a sin, he should be allowed to say that as long as he also says, but of course, well, my party can, can tell. But he will face criticism and he chose not to face that hmm. criticism. He is I mean, I mean, allowed the, to say it. The, the interesting thing about the Farron case, Damien, is this. Christine uses the word conscientiously objection. That wasn't what he did. He was not conscientiously objecting. He just faced massive questions. But in your heart of hearts, do you really believe in this? And to which he said, well, that's irrelevant. I'm not going to pass any anti-gay legislation. But the, even that was not enough. Yeah, that so it's, enough. It, that's what I find illiberal about it. Because as I said, liberalism, by definition, is tolerating people you disagree with. Doesn't Absolutely. mean you can't argue with them or yeah. in the most robust terms imaginable. But that's what I found illiberal. Well, it's putting windows what, into men's souls. What would have happened if he'd stuck to his guns? Well, quite rightly, he'd have been damned, in my view. You think so? Okay. Yes, I think he wouldn't have won any liberal Democrats over. But I, mean, I, I mean, think, but I think we'd all be sitting here respecting him for having stood by his conscience. For Pete's sake, do we have to park our conscience when we walk up into well, you know, a public this, this, this bring, a public arena? This brings me to a point I've, I've made before. 
banging on about it several times, but I'm absolutely convinced that the essence of secularization is the secularization of religious believers rather than, if you like, the suffocating secularization of society which makes it impossible, say, for Christians to continue with their belief. It's actually the unwillingness of Christians to put their head in the lion's mouth, as it were, that has moved us in a, as, as far and as fast in the secular direction as, as we've travelled. I think that's very, very depressing. But can we, can we talk about the other issue that Damien raised? which is Islam. I think you're right, Damien, that that is the crossfire of political life and thought and religious principles when it comes to Christian religious principles. That's where it meets. Could I just say, Christine, I was down in Hove. Yeah. Well, a Conservative candidate there is sort of the in Duncan Smith type Tory who believes, she believes in the power of miracles and claims to have healed a deaf man made him cast aside his hearing aids I mean that type of Christian conservative I mean it's still there in the Tory party and admittedly her handlers won't let her speak to the press and admittedly she won't even say how she voted in the, in the European referendum much to the delight of Peter Kyle the struggling Labour MP who's trying to hang on but you know that type of well you know who they are that type of Ian Duncan Smith type Christian conservatism, it still seems to be active. I'm not sure that that's fair to Ian Duncan Smith. I mean, this woman is a charismatic evangelical. She has charismatic evangelical beliefs about the power of miracles, makes wildly counterintuitive claims, seems to live almost, if you like, in in a cult as much as a subculture of the evangelical Christian world. And And I don't think that sums up Ian Duncan Smith's beliefs, although undoubtedly he was influenced by some advisors from that community. Well, be that as it may, and I have to tell you, I believe in miracles every day. What I'm interested in, is Islam going to be the one religion that everybody respects? If you are a, forget a Sadiq Khan, who, who seems to me to be the most liberal and moderate of all Muslim practitioners, but if is Islam the one religion nobody's ever going to push somebody up against the wall about. I mean, would I Tim Farron... I, I was would under the Tim impression Farron, Islam was rather unpopular in this well, country. Mm. Well, you say that, but if Tim Farron had been a Muslim, would he have got the, the media grilling he got? Uh, I don't know the answer. I do know this... I that, mean, from Nick Cohen he would have, because uh, yeah, you're incredibly But here's the interesting thing. You talk about Theresa May, a practicing Anglican. You talk about Tim Farron, a sort of hidden evangelical hides his light under a bushel. Then people say, well, Jeremy Corbyn is a typical left-wing secular atheist, rather like Tim Farron's parents. But here's what happens with the left and radical Islam. The best of the socialist tradition, and Lord knows there was an awful lot wrong with it, was feminist. It was secular, if not atheist. And yet the people now in control of the Labour Party have spent really since the Rushdie affair allying with Islamic radicals, allying with Islamic conservatives. And, you know, I I remember virtually just staring at at, at some TV interview giving Farron a hard time, thinking it will never happen that Jeremy Corbyn sits on the BBC or Channel 4 and interviewer says to them, hold on a second, you're meant to be left-wing. Why are you, you spent most of your life sharing platforms with people who want to make women second-class citizens, kill gays, kill apostates... Uh, who actually, in power in Iran, lock up trade unions, and it's not kill just, socialists. Yeah. You my know, his enemy is my I know, I, 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 I know, I know the answer to it, but I know the answer. But it just shows how commentary on religious on politics 
it's not so much bias, it's, it goes on tram tracks. There are only certain routes it can go on. So, the rather nutty white evangelical Christian who believes St Paul when St Paul goes on about women pleasuring themselves in Rome or believes in Leviticus, you know, yes, that is a familiar target. We know that. We've seen endless movies and TV series in which they feature. We can go for that. What we can't go for is the white apparent leftist who is making alliances with people which just throw his whole credentials as a left-winger into question. And it's not just him, it's everyone around him. It's a whole generation of, of left-wingers. That is something people still don't talk about. I they still you, don't think totally about. Right. And I mean, Andy Burnham's reaction, you know, let's bury the prevent agenda. I, I mean, know. after Manchester, no, how no, 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 could... No, 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 he did it before. I'm saying after Manchester, how could he still sit comfortably with that kind of an opinion. I mean, it's just extraordinary. He should be repudiating Well, I mean, I think, I think in the case of quite a few Labour politicians, we didn't talk about religious votes, there is sort of a Muslim vote. Or there is still, in a lot of places, from Tower Hamlets to Oldham, you know, if the leaders of a community say, well, actually, Christina, that can still hurt you. And criticising prevent which is ludicrous because prevent is a social work measure designed to help Muslim parents who are sick with worry that their kids might suddenly end up in Syria. Jihadis. And dead. You know, I mean, it is as much much a social work measure for all its faults as a crime, uh, as a crime prevention measure, though it is that too. And it is as much a measure aimed against, you know, white kids who are being drawn into uh, fascistic neo-Nazi movements via the web. I mean, condemning it is a bit like condemning social workers who are trying to stop paedophiles grooming kids online. It's the most extraordinary thing. Do you think the left's unwillingness to engage with these hardest and most most brutal aspects of the Islamic tradition actually has something to do with a genuine lack of interest in anything that might be considered doctrine? I think it's got to do with a type of indifference to others. That, you know, engaging with it is a lot of trouble. I mean, it's an awful lot of trouble. I speak from experience, you get into a lot of trouble. It is potentially fatal trouble. But then I would say that now the right is in an equally bad state. You don't see civilised, moderate right-wingers standing up against anti-Muslim bigotry, which is real and growing like topsy. It is absolutely shooting up everywhere against people who just hate Muslims because they're Muslims. Yes. People who just yes. say, say I- Islam itself, well, as if it were an entity. Internment yeah, yeah, was yeah, the last... Yeah, but it, look, that's, just, that's just, you know, newspaper columnist Katie Hopkins mouthing off. What you don't see in the conservative press or from conservative think tanks, you don't see any fight back against it. You You're don't right. hear any, right. any reaction. Right. You know, and, and, and Islamophobia and has just, become the anti-Semitism. Islamophobia for the right has become the anti-Semitism of the left. I mean, there's no pushback. And, and, and as, as what happened on the left in the last decade, when people like me and um, some Labour MPs and Martin Brown were going, hold on, what on earth is going on here? And arguing against it. We couldn't get mainstream Labour politicians interested. Equally, mainstream politicians now are not calling out writers, demagogues, people who hate... I don't use the word Islamophobia because that's Ayatollah Khomeini's term. It makes criticism of Islam wrong. Anti-Muslim bigotry. People yeah. who just hate Muslims because they're Muslims. It is not being called out on no, the right No, 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 you totally and, and I keep, you know, I open newspapers like this one, I open the Telegraph, I, uh, I look at, what's it called, policy exchange, you know, whatever, these conservative places... 
and I know people in them, very decent people, and I keep thinking, you are being such fools. You knock this out early, otherwise they will take you over as the far left has taken over the Labour Party. Nick Cohen, thank you very much. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to Holy Smoke for a new episode every other Friday.